So it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and more are already obsessed. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at an unbeatable price. So go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. My next guest is an actress, writer, and producer. See right there. We're on the same line. But she can act. She just only acted. I only had one acting opportunity that I accepted. That was uh, Jason's lyric. I played Fast Freddy. That's my historical moment in acting. Spanning nearly 20 years. Her career spanning nearly 20 years in television, film, and theater. When you do theater, you can act. I'll just tell you that now. Theater, you can act now. Because usually, especially when you start the early days of theater, because people are right, sitting right next up to you, you know. Early theater, you know, you, you can act like to lean forward and see you, and touch your customers. Uh, her latest project includes the CW drama All American, uh, which is based on a, a, a true story, starring in the role of Grace James. She's also starring in an upcoming movie called Bolden, a reimaged life story of the influential New Orleans music legend Buddy Bolden, which will be in theaters May 3rd. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Karima Westbrook. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, she comes on with that, you know, that that great voice, gracious voice. <laughs> I got the morning voice. No, you got that's um, your voice. That's your voice. Come on, that's your voice. <laughs> you know, got the. Well, I just the... wanted to say one thing. Mm-hmm. All American is inspired by. It's inspired by story. So not all the details on the series is exactly true. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I have a co-star role in in Boulder. I just don't want to mislead people. They're going to go to the movies and think I'm a lead, and then they're going to watch All American and think it's all true. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, all righty. Um, well, you know, a lot of people think Black Panther is real. Now, you know that. <laughs> this is true. People are still looking for Wakanda. This I'm, I'm just letting you know, at the, at the Delta, they changed one of the, uh, one of the uh, flight schedules to Wakanda. You know that, didn't you? I'm just letting you know that now. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, who wants to know the truth will believe it to be the truth. My whole thing is, is that you're absolutely right. It's inspired, and so you have to say these things so people won't uh, won't sue you because they said that's my life. They told that's me. That's that's really me in there. That's my role. You're lying. I need I need a check. So that's why I use the word inspired. But more importantly, <laughs> your career has been inspired. Twenty years. Well, so what did you? Years. So I'm um, someone that you say your early morning voice. You're on the West Coast. Yes. Okay. Cool. Usually people say, thank you for getting up early to do my show. Thank you. Where did it all oh, no start problem. for you? Where did it all start for you being inspired? What city, what state that said, you know, I want to do this for a living? Well, I was born and raised in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And as a child, I've always been very active in sports and in the arts. Mm-hmm. I did plays, um, community plays as a kid and, and in school. And I kind of went back and forth between um, acting 
in sports. I was very active in sports. And my biggest influence growing up was Whoopi Goldberg. Like, I, I loved Whoopi Goldberg. And it's so funny as a kid, I never realized that it was something that I could do professionally. It always seemed so far away, even though I did it to entertain. I did plays. But I just never really connected the dots. Like, oh, you can actually earn a living uh, doing this until I was uh, in my late teens. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> once I was done in high school, I started to look at acting more seriously, trying to figure out exactly, you know, how I could do it on a professional level once I knew I could do it on a professional level. And I started auditioning for, still auditioning for plays in Chicago, independent films. And then there was, excuse me, there was a movie that came to Chicago called Save the Last Dance. It was a big production coming from Hollywood. Right. And at at the time, I didn't have an agent. But all the actors that I knew in Chicago was talking about this movie. Oh, I got an audition. You got an audition. You got an audition. I was like, oh, my God, I don't have an audition. And at the time, I only had a commercial agent. And so this girl that I worked with, she was like, yeah, I have an audition tomorrow for Save the Last Dance. I was like, oh, really? What time? And then she told me what time. I was like, oh, yeah, who's doing the casting? Tell me who's doing the casting, where they were located. So sure enough, that very next day, I showed up at the audition. And clearly they were looking for a certain type, and I was not it. Mm-hmm. So I stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And the casting director, she came out and she says, does everybody here have an audition? That was clearly for me. And, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of got up like, Ugh, can I talk to you for a minute? And so um, I pulled over. I didn't pull over, but we kind of walked over to the side, and I was like, I don't have an audition, but I really, really – one audition for this role and she let me audition and then I ended up getting the call back and it was this whole thing with my hair because I was wearing my hair natural back then but they wanted someone with long straight hair so I went through this whole thing trying to find a wig I didn't want to put a sewing in my head back then my wig was like a mop because back then it was like that's what we talking like almost 20 years ago so the wig like literally set up on top of my head it was look awful but I went back I had the call back audition again they called me back again, and um, they wanted me to audition for a different role, and then they called me back again. I met with the director, and then I got a part in the movie. And that was the start of me earning enough money to move to California. And um, after I worked on the film, I ended up moving to California, and um, the rest is kind of history. I mean, there was a lot of different things in between that. You know, I went to the Academy of Dramatic Arts one summer for their summer program prior to that, and I knew that I had to get back to California in order to pursue a career in television and film. And so I've always been very goal-oriented. So I wrote out all of my goals and what I want to do, and it seemed like everything was, like, falling into place, like, literally, even from... When I booked Save the Last Dance, I remember meeting with the director, Thomas Carter, and he was like, so what are your goals? And that was like the perfect question for me because I had all the answers. I was like, I want to get my sad car. I want to, you know, I want to get in the union. I want to move to L.A. I want to do television. Film. You know, I had like this long list. I was like completely ready. And um, so after booking that film, I, I moved to, I had enough money to move to L.A. And... Um, you know, prior to that, as I was saying, I've always been very goal-oriented. So I was planning to get to L.A. I didn't know how I was going right. to get there. Let me ask you this. But, so now, uh, I, I'm very familiar with Save the Last Dance. That's one of my uh, – mm-hmm. if anybody's not familiar, it was a, 
It's an interracial relationship. It's a young lady, an African-American lead and a, a white female lead. And, uh, and mm-hmm. she was wanted to be a ballet dancer. Okay, and then so yes. by going into the black community, she was uh, ostracized because, you know, she was she had rhythm, she was cool, and also she was dating this kind of popular black guy who was also tied to a gang, a gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I, it was one of my favorite movies. I'm just, that's why I know so much detail about it. So, so, I know. I was so, like, you so, really know the film. I, I know. It was a good movie. Uh, good it movie. was a good movie. I'm going to tell you something. When it came out, because I was writing, I was writing and I was doing sitcoms at the time, I thought it was a silly concept. I was like, ah, we're going to watch this. And I became one of my favorite movies. And so, so yeah. one, one of the roles, were you one of the, 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 the girls that didn't like her? or Which one? Did, 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 you, did your character make the screen? I did make the screen. I had one line. Okay. And I was um, I was one of the girls who didn't like her. There you go. I knew and that. Um, mm-hmm. his ex-girlfriend. So initially I auditioned for the girl, the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and I didn't get that role, but I ended up getting, like, one of her friends. Right, right, So I was right. just instigating in the club. In the nightclub. She was I, dancing. I, 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 yeah, when she was dancing with <laughs> Sean Patrick Thomas, the guy. Mm-hmm. I was instigating, like, mm-mm, there you go. your man, I you knew know? you were one of them girls. I, said, I knew you yeah. were one of those girls. Because they were like, huh, mm-hmm. yeah, right, yeah, huh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, that's that's great yeah. because, see, the, my whole thing about it is that, first of all, I got to get a Chicago story out of you about the weather. I just came back from Alaska last week, and so it was cold. And so I was walking mm-hmm. around just being normal. It was like 26 degrees. I was just being normal. And then the guy said, man, it's cold out there. I said, excuse me, excuse me. I've lived five years in Chicago. Yeah. I'm a five years in Chicago. I'm just let you understand. This is nothing. Yeah. You have, no, you have no hawk. You have no wind coming around the corner, knocking your face yeah. off. You have no, yeah. you have no wind that dries up your tears and make you, your eyes blink icicles. You don't have that here. You just have yeah. cold. Yeah. You have drama in Chicago with the weather. So yeah. now, now Miss Westbrook, do you have a, a cold story you can share with us before we go before we uh, continue this interview? Because I just can't let a Chicago native just come on my show and just talk about Chicago like it's because that, that's an experience up there. Five years I was up there five years. I know. I would walk around the street and be unrecognizable. They wouldn't know if I was black or white. That's how much clothes I had on in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um that is something that I really try to forget about the weather. Um, I will say that cause it is definitely, I do not miss the weather at all. So, um, very cold. But, you know, once you live there, you kind of adjust to it being so mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. But it's still very cold. And I honestly just have completely tried to forget those brutal uh, cold days of having to go out and turn the car on and let it run. It's, about ten minutes before uh, you get in it, and, you, you know, you just don't jump in a cold Chicago car. You, I don't, you know, no. does, I don't care if you got a heat warmer. It just, it just ain't happening. So I just wanted, no. to bring, I just wanted to bring that up because I had to. Uh, it was whenever somebody said it from Chicago, it just brings back a flood of cold memories to me, Miss Westbrook. Yeah. And so I just gotta, yeah. I just gotta like, like bring your pain to my pain. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Especially I was just in Alaska this weekend, and I'm walking around Mm -hmm. at 26 like it's nothing. You know, I didn't even have no chilies on. I didn't have any. I was just walking around regular, regular, regular pants. I was just cool. Just just Uh nothing. But the thing about it is that 
I, I love the fact that Chicago is such a, uh, a, a melting pot of creativity. It's, it's, it's really mm-hmm. one of my favorite cities. And I want to get in more detail about the writing aspect that you're talking about because of the fact that you're a producer and all that. Because there's so many layers that people don't understand. When you get into Hollywood, you just can't be just an actress. You have to have mm-hmm. layers. It's called multiple talents, which leads to multiple streams of incomes, which leads to multiple opportunities. When we come back, we'll be right back with more of a... It's Westbrook as we talk about her career from Chicago to L.A. Save the last dance because we got one more break with her. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. I'm heading into the final break of my show, Money Making Conversations. On the phone is a very talented actress, writer, producer, straight out of Chicago, now living in uh, Los Angeles. Um, yes. She, and the, the great, she's got up early for my show, 20 years in the business. When, when you tell somebody 20 years, I always tell people that uh, that's a resume builder. That's a, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, you have to do a lot of different things, Ms. Westbrook, to be successful. And uh, you, 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 you came in as an actress. When did you start shifting to the writing and producing phases of your career? I started writing and producing in 2007. This mm-hmm. was right before the... Oddly, it was right before the writer's strike mm-hmm. in 2007. But mm-hmm. I just felt the desire to create my own opportunities. Yes, ma'am. You know, instead of waiting for work. I mean, the the, um, the amount of work that was available wasn't the same back then that it is now. And so I thought it was important for me to create and not just wait. And so that's what I, I did. Well, you know, it's interesting um, that you say that because that was at the time where, you know, where, where reality shows started dominating. Mm-hmm. And that, that came out of that strike. Remember, that's why there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of people going, well, you know, we, mm-hmm. can, we can get by because everybody was questioning, what is a writer? What is, well, aren't they writing on it's a reality show? Aren't those writers? Oh, no, no, we're just producing them. We're just producing them. And so at one time, because I, had a, I, was, I was producing a uh, award show called the Neighborhood Awards, or the Hoodie Awards, and it was mm-hmm. very, becoming very difficult for me to find talent, celebrity talent to go on stage because they weren't working. They weren't working. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and, I, and I really, I thought that was a dark time for African-American talent as well as storytelling because all our images were violent, argumentative mm-hmm. in reality shows, you know, spitting mm-hmm. on each other, throwing drinks on each other, climbing on top of the stage, mm-hmm. fighting over men, fighting over each other, fighting over clothes. That for about a like a like a four year window. That's all we were on television, and that was I thought that was sad. So when you say that, hey, the opportunities weren't there, you started building your own opportunity. You wanted to create your own opportunities. That was tied to reality shows, right, right. Um, and it was probably the best thing I could have did. I I think every actor should create their own opportunities, right? Because it also serves as a calling card. I know the big thing for a lot of actors is to try to, you know, get a demo reel and get their demo reel together and all this and that. But writing and producing a film, even if it's like a short, mm-hmm. um, now you don't need a whole lot of money to uh, create something good. It serves as a bigger calling card. And now with so many different avenues and outlets to uh, distribute your work and have places license it, there's more opportunities for you to even get paid for the things that you create. Now, let me ask you, theater. You do theater. You done, uh, Have you done sitcoms? Are you a sitcom person or are you a drama? I, I normally, I've 
mainly done drama, but I have done some sitcoms. Back in the day, I worked on shows like Girlfriends and Moesha, but those are probably the only two sitcoms I've ever worked yeah, on. See, I'm, a, I'm a sitcom guy. You know, I'm, I'm the Parkers, uh-huh. I'm a Jamie Foxx, I'm a T and Tamara Mowry. So I'm a sitcom guy, Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. So, so I know there is a big difference. I always tell people in a sitcom, they, you, you open the door. In a drama, they allow you to walk to the door and then open it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. when, when you st- and also dramas are more emotional. But now theater, that's a different calling card, isn't it? Yeah, theater, uh, you have more space. Um, when I say that, television, you're working within certain frames. Right. Film, you're working within certain frames. You, but you still have a little more space than television. Theater, you're completely free. Theater is consistent. There's no stop, cut, you know, let's do it again. You're living the story all the way through. There's no breaks in between. Maybe if there's an intermission, but outside of that, there's no cut. There's no let's redo it, you know. You're living it completely um, all the way through. And you have to project more. You have to really use your your voice to reach the people in the back of the theater. You know, um, some bigger theaters have microphones, but mo- most of them don't. So you really have to have... Um, strong vocal um, tools to really project mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. still be able to live truthfully where the person in the back of the theater can feel what you're experiencing. So it is a different approach, but all in all, you're still being in all three of the mediums with, you know, with the, whatever story you're telling, you're still being as your character. It's just about how you're using your, your body at this point um, and your, your instrument, your voice and stuff like that within the three mediums. Yeah, I'm on the phone. Or she's on the phone talking. I'm talking to Karima Westbrook. Or she's one of the co-stars of the TV series, a CW drama called All-American. It airs every Wednesday at 9 p.m. And uh, you can also catch the show uh, streaming f- free, of course, on the CW app. Uh, she's also will be appearing in a, uh, a movie uh, called The... Uh, the uh, Bolden. The Bolden. It's called Bolden, which is the uh, influential New Orleans music legend called Buddy Bolden. That'll be in theaters May third, and you'll be playing yes. uh, playing his uh, mom in that in that movie. I'm assuming it's uh, yeah at the period of there. And so so when do you start? This is just an honest question because as I always tell people, if you're going to go to Hollywood, go to Hollywood young because as you go to Hollywood, there are more opportunities. You know, I always tell people. There's only one teacher teaching the classroom, but they're usually teaching it to 30 students. So there's 30 young people opportunities that you have in there. So, and we all know that there's a window that when we turn to these headshots, we say, hey, if I'm 21, I can still play 16. When I'm 30, I can still play early 20s. So when people start casting you for different roles and you start accepting them, do, does it define your place in Hollywood? Or you just say, hey, I accept the opportunity that they give me and I will, I'm a working actress? I think it depends on the medium that um, you're working in, mm-hmm. because if you're in a big film, mm-hmm. and you, like you're like for instance, I'm in a big film and I play a mom. People who see the film, that's what they're gonna see me as naturally. It's kind of like, oh, they would be perfect for this because they saw you play the same exact character, which is why they think you would be perfect for the other character. That's exactly the same as the character they just saw you in. With television, you have a little more range because you might just be guest starring on a role, on a, on a show in a particular role. 
And so you might be a doctor on one show, you might be a police officer on another show, but typically people start casting you based off of how they seen you. Like if they seen your work, your demo reel, when you play in a doctor, most of the time they're like they're gonna kind of see you in that in that um, in that vein. Um, but there's always room for you to break out of that by choosing to do different types of roles so people can see you differently. And you can also create your own content or something that's a completely different character than you've been playing, you've been hired to do, to show people that you can do something else. So it's just a matter of how people initially see you a lot of times. It's how they feel like, oh, you will be great for that because that's the imprint that's on their mind based off of the work they've seen you do. Yes. But that's not an absolute. There's people, you know, character actors have done all types of things, you know. And uh, when I first started, I did a lot of character work when I first started out in my career. And every character was uh, completely different. So, um, but I think, you know, once I started playing moms, it was like, oh, they want to hire you as a mom. Oh, they want to hire you as the mom. You're hired as the mom. You're his mom. So I've I've been the mom for the last several years, and I'm okay with that. But yeah, I think that I've played that role enough that it's here's like, something oh, interesting yeah. that I gotta ask you because you know I, I auditioned for one role in my whole life and I got it. You going mm-hmm. in there competing? How do you land roles? How do you how do you win when you go in the in the casting session? I think you gotta just go based off of the material. <clears throat> this is what I've learned from just being on the other side. Sometimes it has nothing to even do with your performance because somebody could come in and do a really great job. But as a, a writer, as a creator, sometimes you just see the character as being a certain way. Um, a lot of times you know it when you see it. Sometimes it's just a person's essence that it works. It's like that's who it is. So... Above all of that, you got to be as prepared as possible um, with the material, um, and totally believe in the circumstances that are writ- that is written, and going in and just being free and doing the work. But ultimately, a lot of times it boils down to a person's essence. It boils down to what feels right, because somebody could come in and flub the lines and be perfect for the role. And it wasn't even about them like getting the lines right and being perfect. It was just something about them feels right. They feel like that character. So, or it feels like what we were looking for. The writer is like, this is how I see it. Or the director is like, this is how I see the character. That's him. And the uh, actor could be like, my audition was terrible, but they don't realize that it was something about their essence that was right for the part. So I think there's a lot of different components that play a part in somebody's being being cast in the role, but the only thing an actor can really can concern themselves with is being prepared as being as prepared as possible and believing in the circumstances that's written in the script and going in and letting go and doing their thing and 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 letting it go when they walk out of the room. That's important. Uh, on the phone, living truthfully. Uh, you know, she's uh, 20 years in television, film, and theater. Uh, latest mm-hmm. project is uh, she's co-starring on All American as a CW drama. Okay, this Wednesday, 9 p.m., you can catch the show. 
Also, you can catch it streaming anytime you want on the CW app. Also, Bolden will be hitting the theaters May 3rd. Her name is Karima Westbrook. I know her from Save the Last Dance. I'm a big fan. I'm glad I finally got you on the show. You keep winning, okay? Thank you. You need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great. They sound great, too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. So go to buyraycon.com iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com/iheart.